So I see a church extending mercy. This is what the passage in Luke chapter 10 says. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself and he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, putting, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We're living in a world where increasingly we are seeing a lack of mercy. We're seeing mercilessness on an epic scale. If you've been following what's been happening in Syria and in uh, northern Iraq and uh, the things that ISIS are doing, it's merciless. And yet even in our own society there is a lack of mercy this was in this was an article a little clip in yesterday's newspaper it's about a uh, a gp who refused to treat an 88 year old woman who fell down outside his practice because he wasn't first aid trained this is what the person commenting writes he clearly didn't know good samaritan doctrine how sad that despite Years of medical training, this person was unable to find the compassion to look after a desperate old lady who, like millions of the elderly, had helped pay for their training in medicine. We live in a world that struggles to understand mercy. John Stott puts it like this. The gospel is good news of mercy to the undeserving. The symbol of, re- of the religion of Jesus is the cross, not the scales. The gospel is good news of mercy to the undeserving. The dictionary definition of mercy is compassion, forbearance, especially to someone who's offended and someone who's subject to your power, someone who's offended you. Before God, none of us deserve mercy. There is not one of us who deserves mercy before God. And Jesus is 
being cross-examined by this expert in the law. I don't know if you've ever been cross-examined by someone who's an expert in the law, but I had uh, the misfortune of uh, being cross-examined by a QC, a Queen's Counsel. And uh, I learned the hard way that your answer, uh, they, they lead you into answering yes or no. Mr. Chicket, just if you can just answer yes or no to that, that's the worst thing you can do if you answer just yes or no, because about five minutes later, the answer to one of those questions is going to, is going to, is going to cause you great difficulty. And Jesus is being asked by this expert in the law, and uh, you, would, you can just sense in the, in the moment this guy is out to trap him. And so he asked Jesus the question. There's an ulterior motive. He asks him, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? And Jesus answers the question with a question. He asks him, what do you understand the law says? What do you think it says? And so uh, the expert in the law gives him uh, the right answer. It says to love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Very simply, this is the answer to the big question in life. We were talking this morning about, uh, about God wanting to write a letter on our hearts. This is the answer to it. It's the answer to the question, what happens when I die? The answer, uh, what happens to the, uh, the, the question, what happens after I die? What happens after death? In it, if there is an eternal life, will I benefit? it? This answer answers all of that. The Bible says spending eternity in the presence of God is a possibility. But the bar is high. Is it possible to love God with all your heart? With everything that you have, is it possible to do it? The bar is high. The bar is unreachable. Is it possible to love your neighbor as yourself? Is it possible to do it? Last uh, weekend, I was, uh, took my son up to Medway uh, University, University of Kent, and we drove up there. I hired a van. I had a white van. I was a white van driver last Saturday. And so I drove uh, the van up, and we, uh, the, uh, uh, there was uh, Joe and uh, Dave House were in the van. We get to uh, Gillingham. And uh, we decide we're going to, I said, let's go out and grab something to eat. So I get the van, we're driving in the van, and we uh, think, I, I just said, let's just go to Tesco. There'll be a, a coffee shop there, I'm sure. So we go to park in this multi-story, and it's, it's like the Friars Gate uh, multi-story car park. And as I'm, I drive in, and I suddenly realize the van just about gets in. We had to take the aerial off the top. And so we get in. And, uh, and as we're driving around the car park, I suddenly realized, oh my word, this is really tight. And uh, we drive around and we manage to get around the, go up the first ramp, get to the second one, and I can't get the van up the second ramp. There's a car parked, pulled out, uh, parked out a bit, and I just can't get the van around. And so I'm stuck with people behind me, can't get up the ramp, I'm starting to panic, I don't know what to do, I'm, uh, I'm, I, in that moment I am, I am relying on mercy and there are people outside saying, come on, there's loads of room, haven't you driven a van before? And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? In the end, we get out, we, we go we go. I managed to get the van down towards the entrance and I drive out the way 
I came in actually through the end. I drove out through the entrance in the end. I was just so embarrassed. On the Sunday, I'm leaving here from church, and uh, we, I'm driving up to uh, Bar End, uh, where uh, the, the roundabout next to the, the motorway, Garnier Road, and I get to the roundabout. There is no car for my. There's one car in front of me. There isn't a car in sight. It could have been the Stone Age, okay? And we get, so we're coming up to the roundabout. This car's about 40 yards in front of me. We get to the roundabout. I look, there is nothing. There isn't a car in sight. And I turn around, and the car in front has stopped stopped, it's like they're having a picnic by the roundabout and I am like screeching on the brakes I manage to stop, don't go into career into the back of them and inside I'm like, you idiot, can't you drive? Now I want you to hear this, the day before I expected mercy, the next day I wanted judgment How easy it is to want ourselves to be treated differently to other people. That's the nub of the the, what this man says. Love your neighbour as yourself. It's impossible. It's impossible. And the lawyer realizes this and he's looking for some wriggle room with Jesus. And so he, he knows, you see, that in his own heart, he knows that some people do not deserve mercy. Why should we help people who hate us? Why should we go out of our way for people who will probably do exactly the same thing next week? Why should we go out of the way, our way for people who are needy but they're not destitute? Sadly, we all think like that. There is, you see, there is a deeper issue. And the Bible says that this lawyer wanted to justify himself. You see, the issue that we have is this. We don't want the bar to be beyond our reach. We want to be able to achieve it ourselves. We don't want to rely on the mercy of God. We want somehow to make it ourselves. We want somehow it for it to be within our reach. And so this lawyer is asking the question, who is uh, my neighbor? Who is our neighbor? He's looking for Jesus to lower the bar. And Jesus undoes him with a story. The hero of the story is a Samaritan. You see, as far as the Jews were concerned, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were enemies. They were the lowest of the low. They were the dregs of society. Jews despised Samaritans. And in Jesus' story, his parable, the supposed good guys are not so good, and the bad guy is the good guy. And Jesus uses this story to show the sort of mercy that he expects his people to show. You see, it has an immediate application to the person listening to Jesus telling this parable. But it is relevant to us here today. And this morning, I I believe God wants us to grasp a few things. And the first thing I think he wants us to understand is this. Mercy is central. 
You see, this man in Jesus' story was traveling about 17 miles from Jerusalem down to Jericho. I have actually been on that road. I've driven that road. It's steep. It descends about just over 3,000 feet, 3,300 feet down to Jericho. Jericho is about 800 feet below sea level. The countryside is barren. It's rocky. It's perfect territory for bandits to waylay travelers. An early commentator calls it the bloody way. Jerusalem means city of peace. How ironic that this guy leaves the city of peace and outside the city of peace he gets, he gets mugged, he gets beaten, he's left half for dead. There is no hope. He needs mercy. We live in a world where there are many, many, many people who have no hope. We just saw a little instance of it. Kids who've never had a present before. Small little thing. Never had a present before. You see, we live in a world without hope. That's what the Bible says. We're without hope, without God. And at the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden... God and man, there was a relationship. God had a relationship with the people he'd created. And when man fell, when man turned away from God and went his own way and wanted to find his own way of life, wanted to do without God, wanted to be God himself, be the same as God, that relationship was broken and we left the presence of God. We left the relationship with God. We left the city of God, God's peace. And we went down our own way, down the bloody road. We went down that road going our own way, doing without God. And, and the enemy, the devil, waylaid us, attacked us, left us half a dead And we live in a world like that without hope and without God. People who've been, whose lives have been ruined and destroyed. We need mercy. We need help. Tim Keller says this, we need an accurate view of the world in which we live. Perhaps we need to see that instead of living on islands of ease, we are all living on the Jericho Road. We're all living on the Jericho Road. We need mercy. Mercy is central. The second thing is mercy is challenging. I remember years ago when I was living in Swansea, my parents were living in Antwerp. I, it was, I was looking after the house. My best friend was living in the house with me. And uh, I, had, I remember having phone calls from people saying, there's someone, I've got someone, I understand they're in desperate trouble. Will you take them in? And in that moment, I, I just went through all sorts of uh, mental gymnastics. It, it's, it's not my house. It's my parents' house. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? Should I? There, was, uh, there was one guy whose marriage of, uh, of about 10, 10, 12 years had just broken apart, and he was absolutely destroyed. And someone phoned me up and said, will you take him in? And I remember battling, thinking, should I? Should, You know, we are so like that. We are so like that. Mercy is challenging. It challenges. It makes us uncomfortable. This guy, 
came and moved in and lived with us for a short period of time before finding somewhere uh, more longer term. And God put his life back together. But mercy was challenging. And in this story, we find four main characters. We find the wounded man who needs mercy. He can't help himself. But we find three others, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. These guys are all in the same boat. They all see the man and his condition. They all knew he needed help. They all knew that without help, he was probably going to die. They all have the opportunity to do something. The first two are religious. You would expect them to help. They have a decision to make. And sadly, they make the wrong decision. They're probably shaped by a couple of things. Maybe they were shaped by the whole thing of contamination. They saw this guy. They weren't sure maybe whether he was alive or dead. And they knew that the the law, the religious law said that touching a dead body, they would be contaminated. It would be an issue of purity. And maybe they walked on the other side of the road simply because they were afraid that that it would contaminate them. It It would ruin their lives. How easy is it for us to be like that? It will spoil our neat and tidy lives so we don't get involved. Maybe they were fearful. Maybe they were frightened that if they got involved, there were robbers who were just waiting, using this guy, luring them to attack them. Maybe they were fearful of their own, uh, their, their own lives. And so they avoid getting involved. Martin Luther King says of this parable, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was this, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? You see, the good Samaritan got it right. These other two religious guys got it wrong. Actually, the law says that they were to help the stranger. They were expected to do it. And the really sad thing is this, is that Jericho was a city specifically uh, ordained was uh, where uh, Levites lived. They were to live in Jericho. It was a city where religious people were. So they would have been backwards and forwards on this road. They were supposed to give alms and help the poor, give alms to the poor. That was part of their role. And yet at the first hurdle, these two guys walk on the other side. You see, religion is not the answer. Religion doesn't meet people's need for mercy. And we see in this good Samaritan something quite remarkable. The Samaritan takes pity on the man. He has compassion on him. Bear in mind, this guy was a Jew. Samaritans were hated by Jews. This Samaritan, no doubt, would have been badly treated by Jews whenever he came across them. Put down, humiliated. And yet he goes across the road and has compassion on this guy who can't help himself. You see, Jesus' point is this. There are no limits to who our neighbor is. The bar is high. Jesus doesn't lower the bar at all. You see, for us, 
We're responsible for one another. We're part of the family of God, the church of God. But we're also responsible for the people around us that we live by, the people we work with. But we're also responsible for those who actually hate us. We're to be those who are kind and do good things to our neighbors, show mercy to our neighbors, show mercy to our enemies. God has called us to do it. As Tim Keller says, we are all on the Jericho Road and it is a challenging place to live. Thirdly, mercy requires crossing over. Crossing over to the other side of the road whether they deserve it or not. I've been, uh, uh, for a period, I was a street pastor with Annette. We would go out uh, in the evenings, Friday uh, night. We would go out about nine o'clock and we would finish about half past three in the morning. And uh, we did it for about 18 months. And when you go out and into the central Winchester in the, those hours, you find people uh, absolutely get in terrible condition. They get out with virtually no clothes on in the middle of winter. They're absolutely drunk. They're lying on street corners. Young girls, really vulnerable guys. And the thing is, you see the same people week after week after week. Same characters. And the thing is, there's something inside of you thinks, oh, he's in that condition again. Why bother? Well, actually, we're called to be those who cross over to the other side of the road, whether people deserve it or not. See, it's, all really, it's really easy to conclude that for people who are not like us, they just don't deserve help. But Jesus gives us no option. The Samaritan chose to cross over, risked his safety and reputation. What about us? What about you? Will you cross over the road to that difficult neighbor? That neighbor who has really been quite unkind? What about the boss who's made life absolutely misery for you? What about crossing over the room to talk to someone on their own? Bill Hybels has written a, a, a little booklet called Just, a book called Just Walk Across the Room talking about the challenge that each one of us have to walk across the room to befriend others. Each one of us are called to cross over at every opportunity to show the love of God. What about crossing over the ethnic barrier? The thing is, you don't, until you cross over, you don't know whether the other person needs help or not. The thing is, when we do it, we show the family likeness. We show that we're sons of our Father. You see, Jesus crossed over the cosmos for us. He left heaven and came over for us. He crossed over to this world and became a man. He was born in a stable. The Son of God, the Lord of glory, came and into our world. He crossed over for us because we needed saving. We were by the side of the road broken, damaged, without hope, without God, and Jesus came over to our side for us. And as we do it for other people, we show the family likeness. Paul puts it like this, for Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. 
Crossing over involves a, a step of faith, a risk. Once you get to the place you're prepared to help anyone, it changes your life forever. Mercy is the essence of the Christian faith. Mercy requires crossing over. Fourthly, mercy involves caring. It involves caring for the wounded, the damaged, the poor, the needy, those living on the streets, on the margins of poverty, those who live on low income, those incarcerated in prison, the elderly shut away in care homes, the sick, the mentally ill, the ethnic poor, immigrants, the lost, the lonely. Mercy involves caring. When we went to West Point this year, on the, uh, we arrived on the Thursday and uh, uh, everyone was there on the Thursday night apart from Steve and Jill Clements. Stephen Jill Clements are part of our soup service team that serve soup to those who are disadvantaged, some of them homeless, on a Thursday night. And actually, we were struggling to find a team to, to keep it going. We've been doing this now for three, four years, every Thursday night. Come rain, sun, snow, whatever the temperature, there is a team of people who serve hot soup to those. Some of them who are, some of them are, thank, are, are not grateful for it. Some of them are really grateful for it. But they do it week after week after week. And Steve and Jill didn't come down to West Point because they stayed to serve soup to the homeless. Arriving early Friday morning. When they get there, it's, they're, they're in a tent. And uh, the next, I think the next night or the night after, it was so cold. It's probably, it, was, it was freezing cold. They're in a tent. And I remember talking to Jill the next morning, and I said to her, I, I felt a little guilty because we were sleeping off the floor in a, in a little van. It was a little van. And um, for those of you who saw it, it was like a Hobbit vehicle. Um, but we fitted in it just about. And uh, we were off the ground, and we, we, uh, you know, we were cold, but we weren't that cold. So I said to Jill, it was a bit tentative. It was, it was a bit cold last night, wasn't it? She said it was absolutely freezing. I said, because she said I hardly slept, I was so cold. And I, and I sort of went to be sympathetic. And she just said, she said, but Steve, you know, she said, that's just one night. The people we serve soup to are cold. Some of them are cold every night. Every night. She said, so there's nothing to complain about, is it? And I thought, boy, better be quiet. You see, when you've got a heart for others, it changes your perspective. You see, this Samaritan got his hands dirty. You see, compassion involves action. There was no there, there response. There was no, oh, it'll be okay. You know, I'll I'll just pray for you and, and then I'll leave you. He got his hands dirty. He didn't pay lip service to the problem. Jesus got his hands dirty for us. He got involved into the lives of ordinary people, people whose lives were ravaged by sin. Jesus spent his time with tax collectors and prostitutes. He came to those who needed help and he got his hands dirty. He showed compassion. He cared for them. And you know, we need to be people who do that and it it takes time. Sometimes it, it means being committed to people for years, helping them through. 
You see, people's lives are not neat and tidy. When you come and show compassion, it doesn't mean they go, oh, that's all right, I'm going to change, and they walk away from it, and they never get involved in situations like that again. Sometimes they're back in the same situation the following week. And we need to be people in it for the long haul. Some weeks it's three steps forward and no back, none back. And you feel you've made progress, but some weeks it feels like, one step forward and nine back and you feel like you're back at the beginning again and you've got to be in it for the long haul. Mercy involves caring. And caring involves being around for the long haul. God has called us to be a people who care. That's why we're involved in all sorts of activities from the soup service, people here involved in Basics Bank. That's why we're starting up a Christians Against Poverty Debt Centre. It's because we care. That's why we're running Alpha. Because there are people whose lives, there are people out there broken and damaged and they need someone to go across to the other side of the road for them. They need people like us to go across to the other side of the road into their broken lives and say, do you know what? Would you like to come to Alpha? Because I know someone who can turn your life around. They may not be appreciate that. They may not appreciate, but it doesn't matter because God has called us to be those who cross over, those who care. Fifthly, mercy involves carrying burdens. The Samaritan put himself out. He threw away his schedule and his timetable to care for the man. I want you to hear that. We live in such a busy world. We think we are so full of the busyness of our lives. Sometimes our schedules are more important than anything else. The Samaritan threw away his schedule, threw away his timetable. He took time out. He took time to care for this guy. What about the neighbor who just wants to talk and talk and talk and talk at the wrong moment? And you're desperate to get away. This Samaritan walked while his donkey bore the burden of the man. We are called to carry each other's burdens. We carry each other's burdens. And as we do that, Paul says we fulfill the law of Christ. He's talking about moral burdens and weaknesses. That means when someone you know who's battling with an addiction, maybe an alcohol addiction, you're the one who's there to carry the burden and help them through the mess You don't encourage them in it. You're trying to help them out of it. But you carry the burden. You pray for them. You're the one that intercedes before God, crying out day and night, God, break through into their lives. Turn things around for them. You're the one that's there when nobody else will be there for them. You're the one that, if you like, holds their hand through the process. You carry their burdens. The thing is, the words carry it all. Convey it all. Burdens are not pleasant to carry. Otherwise, they wouldn't be called burdens, would they? Worse than that, they add to the weight of what you are already carrying yourself. But we are the church. We are the people of God, and we are called to be those who carry each other's burdens. Never forget that Jesus carries our burdens. The Bible says in Psalm 68, it says that he daily carries our burdens. 
Jesus carries our burdens. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Give your burdens to him. So we can, we can carry other people's issues in our heart because we know he's carrying our burdens. He is the great burden bearer. So we can pray for one another. We can love one another. You can pray for your neighbor across the street. You can be there to help them. You can carry the burden because you know he's really carrying the burden for you. Mercy involves carrying burdens. Finally, mercy requires covering the cost. There was a price to pay. Margaret Thatcher said this, nobody would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. He had money too. Commentators can't quite agree how much personal expense this Samaritan, how much it cost him. But he covered the cost up until the man was well. You know, sometimes people are not grateful, but that is irrelevant. We're not doing it for them, we're doing it for him. We're doing it for Jesus. Jesus calls us to go the extra mile. Mercy loves to give. Mercy loves to give. Mercy frees us to give. Once you appreciate what God has freely given you, you cannot help but give even when you have nothing. Robert Murray McShane said this, said this to his church. There are many here hearing me who now know well that they are not Christians because they do not love to give. They give largely and liberally, not giving, not grudgingly at all. Sorry, to give largely and liberally, not grudgingly at all, requires a new heart. To give largely and liberally, not grudgingly at all, requires a new heart. In terms of money, in terms of your time, in terms of your lives, to give willingly, not grudgingly, requires us to have had a new heart. It requires us to have received grace from God. You see, God wants us to live simple lives, being content with what we have, being generous, being those who give freely, because mercy requires covering the cost. I was talking to someone earlier this week and they, they quoted this verse from Micah 6 verse 8. What does God require of me? What does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God? I see a church extending mercy because I see a people who have received mercy from God, a people who love God. I'm going to finish with this. It's a quote from Tim Keller in his book, Generous Justice. According to the Bible, we are all like that man dying in the road. Spiritually, we are dead in trespasses and sins. But when Jesus came into our dangerous world, he came down our road. And though we had been his enemies, he was moved with compassion by our plight. He came to us and saved us, not merely at the risk of his life, as in the case of the Samaritan, but at the cost of his life. 
On the cross, he paid a debt we could never have paid ourselves. Jesus is the great Samaritan to whom the good Samaritan points. Before you can give this neighbor love, you need to receive it. Only if you see that you have been saved graciously by someone who owes you with the opposite, will you go out into the world looking to help absolutely anyone in need. I see a church extending mercy. It's a real challenge to us in these days of plenty. In these days when we can switch on the news and see such terrible things happening in the world around us and then switch the TV back off and forget about it. God wants us to be a people who make a difference in this city. And that's going to be challenging. That's going to require us to be a people who cross over as a church, but as individuals. People prepared to cross over to the other side of the road. Who are prepared to get their hands dirty in care. Prepared to carry others' burdens in prayer. To get involved in people's lives. To pay the price Because Jesus did it for us.